There we go. Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Iris here again. And, you know, we've just got something special for you again, because guess who's in the studio, well, the virtual studio with us today? Well, it's Reverend Pastor Solomon Wilson. So we're just going to give him a big welcome. And if I had a clap on meter here, I could turn it on. But we mm -hmm. haven't, so we let the angels do that bit. Hi, Solomon. Hi. God bless you, Pastor Aris. God bless everyone that is connected, listening to us this hour. God bless you. Amen. 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 Yeah, I've got something here. Obviously, you know, mm -hmm. folks, we've been had a little chat before we, we reached, you know, plugging in with you, with you all out there. But um, somebody sent me this. He's an author. Mm -hmm. um, his name's Greg Hinnant. And he's in America, and he's a um, companion of John Shivers as well. You know, we're all of the same mind here. And he's written mm. a piece to his dear friends, of which I am one, and you could be mm. too, the mm. head coverer. And he said, much is said today mm. of coverings, particularly of human authorities being spiritual coverings for ministers, ministries, or churches. But David identified his coverer, and it wasn't any man. To God, mm. David praisefully testified, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle, Psalm 140, verse 7, or you are my helmet, my head coverer. Literally, mm. he meant God's angels had kept him in combat and prevented his adversaries from striking his head and neck, which, to be sure, would have been a fatal blow. David was convinced that in all his military engagements, every time a sword, spear or club or arrow was aimed at his brow and brain, the blow was deflected or di diverted by angels. And David's God-honoring life and fruitful service continued. And David is our example. We too, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, are in mortal conflict with demonic powers and demonically inspired and led human opponents who wish us harm so the light of Christ in us may be quenched and the light of our Christ-honouring lives and ministries halted. The discerning apostle Paul revealed we wrestle not against mere flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers and against the demonic rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness, wicked spirits in high places, the heavenlies. Ephesians 6.12. Our battle, like David's, is a battle for the head or the cerebrum. cerebrum. The, the seat of our conscious thought. Now, that, that, is, that is our brain, guys. Mm. That's what makes us work. So why? Our minds are the entry points of our souls, the centre of our being and spring of our actions. To get to us, the enemy must go through our minds. Thus, like David, we need our head covered or our minds protected by God. When Satan hurls thoughts at our minds that are deadly to faith, carnal reasoning, unbelief, fear, Hatred, unforgiveness, envy, jealousy, anger, and so forth. Our shield must be in place. We must abide close to Christ and soak daily in his word. We must pray often and in the spirit. We must offer God thanks in every circumstance and forgive every offender quickly. We must firmly expect every thought that doesn't meet the standard of the word of God, casting down quickly, firmly rejecting imaginations, fears, and every thought that we do not know to be a fact, and every high thing, proud or rebellious thought, that exhorts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ's word. 2 Corinthians 10 verses three through five, refer. As I said, the guy that wrote this piece for me is, is an author, so it goes on from there. And mm. um, 
there is more to it along that vein. And I just have this feeling, Solomon, that, mm. that you're going to just come up with something on this. Praise <laughs> God. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, it's, it's over to it's, you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just wonderful, the, the beauty of God's word and how God constantly speaks to us from different angles, even if we happen to read the same scripture. That shows that the interpretation of scripture is solely due to the Holy Spirit. And going along with the, 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 the write-up that you just um, read out, I mean, our, our brains, I mean, our brains are a natural component of our bodies. But when we're talking about our minds, that is an abstract concept. It goes beyond what is in your skull. But basically, what this um, part, um, article is emphasizing is the fact that, you know, when the Bible talks about putting on the helmet of salvation, there is that protection of our thoughts and our imaginations because that is the entry point of the enemy. If it can captivate our thoughts and infiltrate our thoughts, then it can affect our whole being. It says you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the thought processes of your mind and the things that you're imagining, is the psalmist says, may the words of my mouth and imaginations of my heart. That heart there is also referring to um, the, the concept of the mind. And so it is very important for us to have our minds protected, more especially in our days and our times. Because I believe that the more gates we allow for the enemy to come into our thought patterns, then he begins to inflict us with torture, with fear, and allow us to accept his word instead of accepting the word of God and the prophetic word that God has for our lives. And so I'm, I'm with you together strongly on that. And so connecting with what we're going to talk about today, today I'm going to talk about the image and the sound. The image and the sound. And connecting to what we just said, what we see, our gateway to our minds, is what we see, so the image, and then the sound, what we hear. So the state of our thoughts or the quality of our thoughts or our thinking or imagination is fed by what we can see and what we can hear. And because of what we can see and hear in our days and our times, we are missing it. And we've allowed ourselves and our churches and our organizations and our nations to be ruled by wicked spirits who are detecting the affairs and the policies of the nation. And so we're just going to use a common scripture, not common as in the sense that it is ordinary, but common as to, to say that it's a familiar scripture. And so we're reading Daniel chapter three. I'm just going to go through some few verses quickly and that we, we, we see what God is about to speak to us. And um, today I feel very, as I sense the prophetic unction and what I'm about to talk about, it is a word I believe that God wants us to hear as a group of believers, as the church and as a nation. And it might come across as um, something very dicey, but at the same time, I believe that God is saying that there's an image and there's a sound and we should watch out for those things because they are influencing the church. There's a lot of fear and timidity across the body of Christ just because of the image and because of the sound. Absolutely. And so I read, so I read from Daniel 3. I'm going to read from 3 to 7 of Daniel 3 and then skip some other verses and go to the other verses later. So the satraps and the administrators and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the judges and the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. And then a herald cried out loud, saying, To you it is commanded, all people's nations and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. I read on, he has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into 
the midst of abandoned fairy fairies, so that the time when all the people had the sound of the horn, the flutes, the harp, the lyric, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, the languages fell down and worshiped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is the longest reigning uh, ruler in, in the Babylonian Empire. And he was uh, historically known <clears throat> and in the context of Bible uh, to be the one that destroyed Solomon's temple. A, a temple that was built by prophetic direction, a, a temple that was built by divine supply. David desiring to build it was not able to uh, do it, but the Lord instructed him through the sun to build it. And that was the first of its kind. It was the temple that Solomon built and prayed and said that if anybody stands in this place and, and cries out, God will listen. It was the same temple that experienced the glory of God at the day of opening. And the book of Nazar was the king that destroyed it. And he took the people of Israel into captivity. But let's see this. This scripture talks about more or less like a global happening. It was a national situation because it was an empire. So it was a collection of nations, collection of people, a collection of languages. And so you can see that it more or less on the global scale. And that was the order of the day that the entire nations were meant to bow down to the image that the king has made. So you can see that the influence of the image was across the entire empire. Everybody danced to the music of the day. Everybody danced to the music of the day. But let's see the people that were mentioned in that scripture. He says that the satraps or the, the satraps and the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates. Wow. So it means that the influence of this image is not going for the low people or low uh, people of low status in the society, but was going for the prominent people in governments. So he was dealing with governments, influencing governments, influencing administrators, influencing counselors, influencing financial institutions, the treasurers, the judges and the magistrates, the makers of the law and the interpretation of the laws. And this is exactly what we are seeing with the trend. There's so much demonic influence on the systems and the departments of our nations that administrations are being affected, the governance are being affected, the finances and the treasury are being affected, policies and laws are enacted to make sure that the agenda of the image is enforced across the nation. And the Bible says that all these officials gathered together to dedicate the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set before them. So that was not just a national agenda, but it was more or less uh, in, in, in their days, uh, a global agenda. And they were gathered together to enforce the agenda of the king. Now let's appreciate this. We probably waiting for favorable conditions by the government for us to serve God. I mean, when these restrictions came and churches were not allowed to meet, we waited for favorable conditions where we can reach out to our church members, where we can reach out to people, where we can preach the gospel. But those that adapted to the change uh, of, 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 of those changes were, were using media platforms, they were using, as we are in the virtual studio now, we are using these um, form of communication tools to reach out onto people. But if we're going to wait for favorable conditions for us to begin to serve God right, then we wait forever because the systems have been hijacked by the image. There was nothing in favor of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, nothing in favor of Daniel in that foreign land because the governments were not in their favor. The, the judges not in their favor. The magistrates are not in their favor. I don't know the kind of situation that you are faced with as an individual or a church, but probably you are fighting a legal suit now. There's something that you are dealing with concerning the church. It's been taken to court, and you seem, it seems that judgment is against you. But I release prophetically in the name of Jesus to the glory of the name of the risen Lord that there's going to be a case won in your favor. 
in the name of Jesus. Those governments, those magistrates, those judges are going to sanction the case in your favor, prophetically. I said today is a bit prophetic, so let's be sensitive. What sound can you hear? Because the Bible says that the people were meant to listen to the sound. And the sound was so churchy. It had all the instruments, all the harmony, all the symphony, all the feel that sounds like church, but it wasn't church. So what sound are we hearing as an end time church? What sound are we hearing as leaders of churches? What sound are we hearing as believers? And the second question is, what sound are we obeying? Because it says, as soon as you hear that sound, respond to it by bowing and worshiping. So there's a lot of sound that is going on. It sounds very churchy. It sounds very religious. It sounds very Christian-like, I'll put in quotes, but they are not the sound of heaven. Revelation 14 uh, verse 2 says that I hear a sound in heaven, a new song that we cannot learn nor sing. And the song is sung by people who have not lied without blame, people who have not compromised, people who are not saying yes to the enemy, who are not saying yes to the image. But what, what sound are we hearing? Are we hearing the sound of defeat? Are we hearing the sound of fear? Are we hearing the sound that says that we cannot do, we cannot do ministry and church is not going to be the same? Hallelujah. But I believe that we need to hear the sound of heaven. We need to respond to the sound of heaven. Now, let's listen to this. It may sound like church, but it's not church. It may sound like true worship, but it's not true worship. There's a lot of congregations around and across the nations that are doing things that sound like church, but they are not. A lot of things I've been hearing of late, and it's breaking my heart, as issues and challenges that ministers are facing and the Christian um, folks are facing, that is drawing a negative um, light or throwing a negative light on the church. And it's breaking my heart. And the world is now so confused because they don't see uh, the Christian faith as something that is life-transforming, but just a people that congregate and just celebrate. People that just congregate and just sing. But I pray in the name of Jesus that we shall be aware of this image and we shall be led to the sound of the enemy. We will not respond to the sound of the enemy, but we shall respond to the sound of heaven. Amen. Now the question is, what are we worshiping? What is the object of our worship? Are we worshiping money? Are we worshiping people? Are we worshiping systems? Are we worshiping leaders? In fact, are we worshiping ministers? Because there is an image that has been drawn, an image that is presented in the body of Christ of late that has nothing to do with God, that has nothing to do with Christ, but we seem to be worshiping. So at the sound of the harp, at the sound of the flute, at the sound of the symphony, they were meant to worship. So from afar, it will look as if they are worshiping, but they are not worshiping. That's true God that they were meant to worship. And so what are we worshiping? Our faith is now in people. Our faith is now in ministers. Our faith now is in leaders. And we take their words as the final word. Because a pastor said it. Because a reverend minister said it. Because a sister or a brother said it. And so we are going to go with that flow. But I believe that God is calling out for a new generation of people that are going to listen to a different sound and look at a different image altogether. Because we want to look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Amen. There is so much fear in the air. It was in those days. And we are talking about foreigners in foreign land. We are talking about Jews finding themselves in the land of the Babylonians. They, they were captured. And there comes this announcement that is against the very core of their belief system. And so there was fear hovering around in the air. Everybody was afraid. There was the sound of fear that filled the atmosphere. That's exactly what is going on now. Mm. And I'm going to draw this in. I mean, the whole idea of this um, 
uh, whether to take the vaccine or not to take the vaccine and what is God saying. The other day, I was listening to two tapes of two renowned ministers of influence. And one party was saying, <clears throat> one party was saying that it takes faith to take the vaccine. You believe that nothing will harm you, so you take it. And the other one is saying that it takes faith to believe God for your healing. So now, and these are prominent people of influence or followership. People follow them and they respect them. And whilst I was listening to this two line of preaching or argument, I was asking myself, what is God saying in the midst of all these things? What is the voice of God in the midst of this? I will not stand in the pulpit and speak as to whether you have to go or not to go for it. But as a minister, I will speak the mind of God and I speak the word of God. And I believe that as the spirit of the Lord convicts us and speaks to us, he would direct us to make the right, right decision. Amen. But we are not making decisions because we are afraid. We are not making decisions because it involves the government and involves the magistrates and involves the judges and the governors. It is not about that. It is about what God is saying. What image are we seeing? Personally, I declare the healing hand of God. I believe God that the healing hand of the Lord has rested upon the nations. And Amen. God is going to bring about healing across the nations. Amen. I'm a personal testimony and I'm a victim of of the of the coronavirus I've, I've suffered my bit of it but i've seen the healing power of god at work in my life and i believe that god heals and god still delivers and so in the midst of all these things we are meant to see the image of god being seen across the nation that god is healing the land god is healing the nations and i i want us to believe that god is the great healer and is the source of all healing. amen but let's listen to this the symphony was not just a sound, but it was a symphony of fear. It was a symphony of fear that was oozing out into the environment, seduction, so deception and captivation of the minds of the people. The symphony of fear has seduced and captivated and paralyzed the will and the mind of the people. You are not allowed to think. It says you are commanded. So you are not even allowed to think through as to whether you have to do it or not. And so he says this. They were commanded that when you hear the sound, bow. So it wasn't just the sound, but it was a symphony of fear that seduced the minds of the people, captivated the minds of the people, paralyzed the will and the minds of the people, compelling them to worship the form of, of image that was presented onto them. In our case, we are worshiping other images. The image that I'm worshiping might be different from yours. The image that your nation is worshiping might be different. It might be money, it might be people, it might be systems, it might be business, it might be wealth. But I believe that whatever it is, the only one that we are meant to worship is the great I am, the creator, of the heavens and the earth. The risen Lord Jesus, who died and resurrected. The Bible says that if he had stayed in the grave, we wouldn't have a message. But he is alive. He resurrected and is written. It is not a hypothesis. It is not a theory. It is complete fact that he is alive. And because Jesus is alive, that is the one that we want to focus our attention and our worship to. Now, let me say some few things. Politics have seized the pulpits. Our pulpits are under arrest now. Now preachers are turning to politicians and, and politicians are turning preachers because they are telling preachers what to say at their pulpits. We will not turn our pulpits into politics. Never, anyone hearing my voice as the minister, never talk politics on your pulpit. We talk the word of God, we talk the will of God, we talk the agenda of God, and that supersedes all kinds of politics. Because when the glory of God is manifested, when the glory and the kingdom of God is manifested, it supersedes and sits on top on any kind of governmental system. And so I believe that we should not allow politics to seize our pulpits. Politics should not determine what we preach. The word of God should determine what we preach. And we are going to present the image of God 
as a loving father that heals, a loving father that delivers, a loving father that brings redemption and deliverance. That is what we want to present from the pulpit. We're not going to preach what the politicians tell us to preach. We preach the word of God. Remember the time when the disciples were arrested and uh, they told them, do we have to obey men of God? That's the question. Do we preach the politics of heaven or the politics of men? Do we preach the revelation and the word of God? Or do we preach what we've been detected to, to preach? But we refuse that. Pulpits have become parliaments where preachers share their views rather than the word of God. Because from the scripture that we are talking about, they've taken over all systems. The image has taken over the system. And so it is very almost natural for everyone in the land to toe the line. Because that's the order of the day. So pulpits are not parliaments where preachers share their views. They are meant to express and speak the mind and the will of God, not their views. And so it's not about what you think. It's about what God is saying. And I pray in the name of Jesus, every church leader that is hearing us this hour, I pray in the name of Jesus that we shall hear the voice of God, that even as we mount the pulpit, even as we stand on the podium, we shall speak the mind of God and present the image of heaven to the people, causing them to hear the symphony of freedom and faith rather than the symphony of fear in Jesus' name. The fear of man is transmitted from the position of leadership in the church rather than the fear of God. So what the herald was saying is that I'm telling you, so it was in a place of like a podium or a stage, having the voice to speak into the nation. And so the Bible says that he cried aloud and speaking to the nation, when you hear the sound, bow down and worship. So instead of preaching the fear of God, we are preaching the fear of men. We are more afraid of what men would do rather than what God is capable of doing. Amen. Now, let's, let's look at some few things. People's actions were now detected by the fear of punishment, not the fear of God. Now, we can see around us of late that what is being talked about in the pulpit is not about in investing the fear of God in the hearts of the people, but putting in the hearts of people the fear of men. What we are saying is all detected by the fear of men. And that was exactly what the Herod was saying. He says, as soon as you hear, if you don't, you'll be put in the fire. There are a lot of people that are worshiping God that call themselves Christians. They are not worshiping because they revere God or love him, but they are afraid of hell. And so the people say, oh, because we don't want to be put in fire, let's just go with the flow. We are meant to cultivate the fear of God and reverence for God in the heart of the people rather than the fear of men and systems. And that is the image that we are meant to paint onto them. We have become fearful of the one that can destroy the body, but not the soul. Matthew 10, 28 says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And so our fear should not be about people. It should be about God and what God is saying to the people. Now let's appreciate the beauty of the scripture. This was the context in which these three Hebrew men find themselves. Their image has taken over the systems. They have taken over the governments. New policies are now being developed to enforce that the agenda of the image spreads across the nation. Now, I'm not, again, not a politician. I don't speak for politics or the politicians. But what I can say is that with the, with the onset and the, and the danger and the distraction of what has happened with the COVID, government have to come up with different policies, new policies, to make sure that the agenda of the nation is adhered to. Some of them are good policies. Some of them can be demonically inspired. And so we need to watch out for these things. But in the midst of all of this, when the systems have been captured by the, 
by, by the deity or by the image that the king has built. There were three Hebrew men and they were involved in government. They were in places of influence. They could have lost their job, not just lost their job, that they can potentially lose their life. They would have refused not to hear the voice of God, not to hear the word of God. They could have said, we want to just worship because everybody is worshiping. They were foreigners to start off with. But the Bible says that they stood up. So let's look at the 15 to 18. Thank God for the rising of a new generation of people who are going to start up and paint the right image and create the right noises and sounds. Now it says, now, verse 15 of Daniel 3. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, now, what Nebuchadnezzar is doing is that he's given these three Hebrew boys his last chance. He says, I'm going to give you a last chance. I want you to reassess your decision. I want to put fear in your heart to know that this is the last chance that you have. If you blow it, that's it. He says, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound, see the sound that that is where the problem is the sound because there's something that the sound does to you when you hear it it puts fear in your heart straight away and so it wasn't just a musical sort of a sound that they were making but it was a sound that put fear in the heart of the people and so he was making reference to the sound what is the sound what the media is saying what you hear through the news bulletin this is the sound of the end times what are we saying of the sound? This is the demonic teachings that we are hearing from our puppets. What is the sound? That is the sound of lie that the enemy is whispering into your mind and telling you that you will never succeed, you will fail, you will die premature, you will not excel, your marriage is breaking down, your ministry is going to be destroyed. That is the sound. And when you hear the sound, you bow. For some of us, we are hearing a sound that tells us, that that is our end. And because of that, we bowed already. We are worshiping. These are the signs of my end times. I can no longer make progress. I can no longer excel. That is the end of my life. This sickness is going to kill me. You are already worshiping because you hear the sound of the heart. You hear the sound of the horn. There are different, different kinds of music. For some of you, it is not just one song, but it's a multiple sound in your ear, in your hearing, in your hearing. You are hearing the sound of fear. You are hearing the sound of sickness. You are hearing the sound of intimidation. You are hearing the sound of failure. And this combined harmony and symphony of fear is causing you to see the end of your life. And so he says, when you hear the sound, watch out for the sound. When you hear the sound of the flute, the harp, when you hear the sound of the sorcery, when you hear the sound of the symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down. Are you ready for that? That was what he was asking him. Are you ready to bow down? What time are we in? We are in the time of showing forth the glory of God. Jesus, when he was about to go to the cross, said that this is the time of my glorification. The hour of glorification or the hour of glory has come. Even though the enemy sees the death of Christ, even though everybody sees the death of Christ, but he could see beyond it that he was not just going to die on the cross, but he was going to say, as his word says, except the seed of grain falls down and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it multiplies. And so Jesus says that it's time for me to be glorified. When the Son of God is lifted, I shall draw all men to myself. And so I'm not hearing the sound of those that are betraying me. I'm not hearing the sound of people that are calling me names, but I hear the sound of heaven. It says, I will not worship. I will not worship. And it says something. And are you ready to fall down and worship the image which I have made? Drawing emphasis to the fact that it is all human made. It is all based on his own orchestration. It has no element of God in it. There are so many of us that are worshiping man-made idols and images in the church. 
Some of us, we are even worshiping items of ministration. We are worshiping handkerchiefs. We are worshiping anointed oils. We are worshiping water. We are worshiping everything. And our faith is gone into those items instead of going into God. And it says, are you ready? I'm giving you the chance for you to bow down to what I've made. We worship a God that is not man-made. We worship a God that is not made by the hands of men. But we are worshiping a God whose hands all things were made. I declare in the name of Jesus, everyone at the sound of my voice, I break the spirit of idol worship. I break the spirit of influence that is, is affecting the way you serve God. And I pray in the name of Jesus, we are blocking off the sound of fear. We are blocking off the sound of idol worship. And we are hearing the voice of heaven in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Today, I said it's prophetic. And so I want you to tap into the spirit of the message. Now it says this. It says, if you are willing to do this, the new um, King James Version says, if you are willing to do it, then it's good. That's the base, a, a, a false compliment from the enemy. The enemy is giving us accolades for compromising. The enemy is giving us the, the, the praise for compromising. And because everybody is saying it's good, and you know that you are deviating from the voice of God. You know that you are not saying exactly what God has told you. But because people are giving you endorsement, because you are getting endorsement from the nation, you are getting endorsement from the people, you say it's fine. He say, if you're going to do that, I call it as well done, well achieved. And for some of us, because we are so desperate to be told that well done, you've done well by people, we don't care what it means. To compromise we don't we don't care we are willing to compromise because we want the endorsement endorsement of the government and I, I i've heard of situations where preachers are compromising the way they present their messages because of what they've been told or promised by other people but i pray that it will not be our case in any way we will not dilute our message we will not seek the endorsement of, of, uh, of politicians, of leaders, and people of influence and wealth, but we are going to listen to the voice of God. If heaven says, thou good and faithful servant, that is what we want to hear. And I pray in the name of Jesus that our commendations will be from heaven, but not from men. Jesus says, not because you called me so, but because the Father sees me as such. And so I believe that God wants us to be that new generation, of painting a different image altogether. The image of Christ being crucified and lifted up. He says, if you shall lift me up just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you shall see his glory. He says, I shall draw all men unto myself. He says, we shall have Jesus rule in the hearts of people. But he gives them a word of caution. But if you do not worship, hmm, if you do not worship, that is the bit that frightens us. If we, you do not worship, you shall be cast. Now, when I saw the word cast, other versions say you'll be thrown. But it's all about the fact that we think that we, be, we, we are going to be left out. That's why we are afraid. Is that when you fail to worship, you'll be thrown out of the company of the nation. You've been thrown out into the furnace. You've been left out. But for some of us as believers, as preachers, as Christians, we are compromising because we are afraid of being thrown out into. And in the case of these three gentlemen, they were said, they were told the same thing. We are going to cast you out. You're not going to belong to the nation. You're not going to have access to the things you already have access. You're going to be left out to dry. For some of us, because we think that we are going to be criticized by people, we fail to do what God has told us to do and we compromise. It says we shall cast immediately into the midst of a burning fairy furnace. We are afraid of losing our comfort. We are afraid of being under fire. 
We are afraid of being bent with, with people's utterances about our ministries and about our lives. And so because of that, we want to keep that image. We want to keep on hearing that sound. We want to come under the symphony of fear. But I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that we shall not be afraid that we lose our comfort, but we shall cause the name of Jesus to be lifted across the nation in the United Kingdom and across the nations. And I believe that is a voice that God wants to hear from us in this time space, a voice that is crying out for revival, a voice that is standing for the standards of God. We will not be silenced. We will not be quieted. We will not keep quiet. We shall declare the name of the Lord without compromise in the name of Jesus. Amen. I told you today is prophetic, is harsh, and I believe that God is, is moving something in our hearts. We've kept quiet for so long. There were not just three Hebrew people in the land. There were some Hebrews around. And these were Hebrews that have been privileged in the nation to hold their position. Why would they mess it up? Their floor members and the ordinary people, the other Hebrews in the land, would have compromised and worshipped uh, alone. But these men who have been favored by the government, the ruling government and the nation, and the king Nebuchadnezzar, who liked them to some degree, were willing to let go of that position. Bible says that Moses chose to suffer with the people of Israel than to be called the daughter, uh, the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And so they made the choice to associate with what God says. Now listen to this. And now he says, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? That's, that's a, 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 a threatening statement. He says, who is that God? Who is the God that is able to deliver you from my hands? Probably that is the statement that you are getting in your spirit. If I don't keep quiet and just store the lines, if I don't just keep quiet and say what everybody, what everybody wants me to say, who's going to save me when I get into problem? Because the magistrates and the judges are, are all under the influence of the image. So when you go to the courts, they are not going to be in your favor. That administrations are not on your side. The counselors are not on your side. The governors are not on your side. But if so he tells him, who is that God that will save you from my hands? But I declare in the name of Jesus, I see the mighty hand of God, the hand of deliverance, the strong right hand of God bringing you out of that situation because you stayed faithful and because you did not keep quiet. You find yourself entangled with a legal shoe. I pray in the name of Jesus for that minister in that country that is hearing us this hour that declare that the hand of God will rescue you in the name of Jesus. I see the hand of God being demonstrated to show the power and the glory of God in the name of Jesus. And many souls shall be drawn into the kingdom because of what God is about to do in your life and through your life in the name of Jesus. He says, who is going to do that? Now we're going to finish off soon, but stay with me. Then Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Now listen. These people, where well, these are not yeah, their Hebrew names, these are names that were given unto them because they are traveled to the land. And so for them to be accepted, their names have even changed. But they said, it's enough for the names, but our faith is not going to change. No matter how, what nicknames you give us, our faith still stays the same. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, on the book of Nazareth, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Oh, they were so convinced about what they were doing, such that it says that there's no need for us to reply. It is an obvious answer. That is to say that, King, you can answer for us because our answers are always going to be saying no to the image. Our answers are always going to be saying no to the sound. We are not going to be moved by the sound, no matter how beautiful and lowering it is, or no matter how seductive it is, no matter how deceiving it is, no matter how paralyzing it can be for our minds and our wills, we are still going to say no. And so there's no need for us to answer to this matter. 
There is a matter that you are dealing with. The enemy wants your engagement. The enemy wants you to be confrontational and direct. But we are not going to be confrontational. We are not going to start in the street and begin to fight and demonstrate. But we are going to go on our knees and declare the name of the Lord and declare the hand of the Lord and declare the will of God across the nation and the spirit that is behind the sound and the spirit that is behind the image is going to be addressed in the name of Jesus. You don't need to answer them. I'm not going to answer you. But this is what we tell you. He says this. If that is the case, our God whom we serve, mm, our God whom we serve, he says that we have a different image in our spirits. We have a different image in our minds. It doesn't matter how big you think your statue is or your image is. The God that we serve is more than that statue or that idol or image. It's bigger. The God that we serve, they say the God that we serve is able to deliver. Who told you our God is not able? Our God is able to defeat any structures or systems that are put in place to paralyze the church and to make the gospel ineffective. They can never do that because our God is able to deliver us from the very furnace, the burning very furnace. Our God is able to draw and pull us out of fire. I pray in the name of Jesus that this same God that we are talking about, that same God that was able to do in the life of this three Hebrew young men. I pray in the name of Jesus that that same God will pull you out of every fire that you are in. Even though you hear the sound of death, even though you hear the sound of your end, even though you can see the image and the end product of what you are going to be, the enemy has painted for you. You will never bow to that image. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you shall be pulled out of that fire. In the name of Jesus, I see people being pulled out of situations. I see them being pulled out of sicknesses. I see them being pulled out of damaging uh, uh, sicknesses and, and cases that have been placed upon them accusations in the name of Jesus I see the deliverance hand of the Lord coming in the name of Jesus oh God and pulling us out of that situation in the name of Jesus hallelujah he says even so he will deliver us from your hand but he says this <clears throat> oh God oh my king he says oh my king but if not I like that if not if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods. We, if not, <laughs> I like the bit that talks about if not. Yes, it means that it doesn't matter. We have come to the point of admitting that there's no better option. Hallelujah. It says, if not our God, if in case he forgets to save us or to deliver us, we will not said the God or will not worship the gold image which you have said. Are we worshiping the image? Are we hearing the sound? What image are we worshiping? What sound are we hearing? And what effect is that sound and that image having on us? I've come to encourage us this hour that it might be of a global impact. It might be of a global influence. It might be a national thing. It might be the order of the day. It might be spiritual. It might be a policy. But I know for sure that our God is alive. He's able to deliver and rescue us from the hands of the enemy. We should not allow the image to influence the prophet. We should not allow the image to influence our words, but still believe in our God. It is not anything that looks like church. It looks like everything that looks like church, but it's not. It is demonic agenda, making us believe in the lies of the enemy. Amen. God bless us. Let's have a word of prayer. Oh, amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, you warn us against the image. You warn us against the sound. For some of us, we are dealing with different images in our lives. But Father, all that this sound and image is doing to us, is that they are bringing about the symphony of fear in our lives. 
Father, we cease the music of fear and we start the music of faith. May the angelic host of heaven whisper good news, telling us that it's all, all lost and that our God is risen. And because he's resurrected, we can face tomorrow. Father, in the name of Jesus, we address any influence of the enemy on our pulpits, on our podium, on our Christian values and faith across our nations and every nation that is connected. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your name shall be exalted, that you, Jesus, shall be lifted across the nation. Father, we thank you for your direction. We thank you for your deliverances. We thank you for your healing. And we thank you, God, for the revival and the seal. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow, that Amen. was a powerful message. Absolutely Amen. powerful. And so Amen. absolute apt, isn't it? That's just how we are in the world today. We've been saying Amen. a long time, Solomon, that, that the preachers just are not preaching the gospel. They're not setting the people Amen. free. They're not sending them out. They haven't discipled them. And, and now people are in an awful place, really. Mm. You know, mm. I, I was talking to a colleague. One of the things the Lord said is, he, he showed me that we say, yeah, come Lord Jesus. You know, we really need you, but don't come mm. yet. You know, mm. And, mm. and I thought I was just hearing something in my spirit. And I think, oh, is, is that me? I, I don't feel like that. Is it, I'm taking mm. myself apart. And in actual fact, later I spoke to a colleague and, and I just said to her, I said, you know, I said, God's, Jesus is coming soon. I said, I just feel it. I can hear it. I can see it. Mm. I feel the whole atmosphere is electrified. She said, yeah. She said, that'd be good. But not yet. I said, what do you mm. mean not yet? She said, but I've got, I've got all this to do. I said, exactly what God is saying. It, you know, it just opened the door at the right moment because you're doing everything in your own strength. Mm. God is not in mm. what you're doing. Step mm. back and allow him to come in and do what he wants to do. Mm. And, and it, it took a quiet mm. down and a stepping back, you know, but it, it was accepted. And I thought, good grief. Mm. That is so small how people are feeling. Yes, we want the Lord to come, but not yet. I haven't finished my new car, I've got a new car to collect, so I, I'm, I want a new television. All oh, the kids haven't grown up. All of the, 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 the normal, what we would call the normal way of life, mm. superseding. Yes, we want him to come, but we mm. know we're pushing him away. And until our spirit can mm. get to that place and the Holy Spirit will bring Jesus in. It's the spirit. Mm. And it, Jesus won't be able to hold back. Mm. And if Christians would grab mm. that, life is much better on the other side. But one thing mm. I'm really pleased about, you know, is that the tribulation, as Christians, we will not be here. We are not meant to go mm. through the tribulation. You know, mm. in Revelation between six, chapter 6 and 19, the church isn't mentioned. The beautiful, mm. beautiful book is what God, you know, that God is presenting there. It's wonderful. But the tribulation is going to come. Mm. And we don't want our Christian people being left behind for, for that period of time until they get a second mm. chance. Mm. We need to address that now, that mm. this is the open door to say, Maranatha, just come. And then mm. and just be let the Holy Spirit prepare each and every one of us in the quietness of our heart and give us peace mm. in the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. I'm so pleased that you preached that today. I really Praise am. God. Yeah, amen. God. But Praise you know, God. we've got to leave it there. We've got, we've, I tell you, the time goes on, but it's worth it. It's worth it, Solomon. Thank Praise you so God. much for being on the program. Well, bye-bye everybody. God. We will be back soon. I promise you, we're not finished yet. Bye-bye.